0: I wanted to give you guys a little chance to talk amongst yourselves. So we're going to do a little table talk. And then at the end, we're going to do a little table talk. So I hope you love those ladies at your um, church. Listen, I wanted to say that is such a cool thing. You guys come early to talk with each other and stay late and still talk to each other. And we have loved that this week so much. Um, We're always nervous, like, is the service too long? Are we keeping them too late? And you guys truly, truly love and enjoy each other's company. So it's been a blessing for us um, to hang around with you guys and watch you talk and love on each other. So thank you for that. All right. Before we get started, I have a question for you. My two favorite ladies in the Bible are Mary and Martha. And if you don't know who they are, we're going to talk about it in my talk today. But just around your table, if you had to choose a Mary or a Martha, which one are you? So talk around your table. Don't tell me. Talk around your table. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Tell them which which one you are. All right, ladies. Confession time. Raise your hand if you said you were a Mary. Marys? I know you're out there. Marys are pretty. Okay, okay. It's kind of what I figured. Now, raise your hand if you said you can relate more to Martha. Yes, yes, girls. Yes, yes. All right. Well, my name is Jen Raymond, and I am the lead revivalist wife um, for the Life Action Red team. My husband is Ryan Raymond, who's um, had the privilege of sharing with you each night, and I forgot to introduce myself. So, my name is Jen. It's short for Jennifer, with my southern accent, it usually comes out like Jan, so if you call me Jan, that's fine too, I'll answer, um, but I'm really pleased to be here with you today. So, I don't know if you can already tell, but I relate more to Martha, so you're welcome, you're welcome. I'd like to say, <laughs> I love this meme, Lord, I want to be Mary today. But can you just invite Martha over to clean my house? (laughs) Anybody relate to that? Amen. I like to say that I'm a recovering Martha, and I hope I'm not the only one. I want to share a small part of my my story with you today. But first, I want to assure you that I have not mastered the things I'm going to share with you I just really want to show you that you're not alone and that God cares about the Marthas and the Marys, and I hope that you're encouraged when you leave today. Well, I was born a Mary. Anybody else? I was even born early. I was two months premature, so apparently I couldn't even wait when I was in my mom's stomach. I was born two months early to my teenage mother, who was and is still one of the bravest women that I know. My parents weren't raised in a Christian home, but God definitely was pursuing them, and he was pursuing them throughout their lives. Um, My dad had an aunt who prayed for him fervently years, I mean like 20 years for his salvation. So don't give up on those prayers, moms. Um, My mom and dad, my stepdad actually, were radically saved during the Jesus movement. Anybody remember the Jesus movement? Okay, cool. And their excitement most definitely um, affected me. It affected me so much that I actually accepted um, God, Jesus as my Savior when I was five years old. I was really young, but I had a good understanding of what it meant. I remember that night, the pastor, I think, was talking about hell, so I kind of got a little scared. But I came home and I asked mom, you know, what is hell? What is heaven? Are you going to heaven? And they were like, yes. And they were telling me everything. And then I said, well, am I going to heaven? And so it was a great conversation. Um, I remember growing up later, many years later, I would say, tell me the story again. Tell me the story again. Just so I could remember that time when Jesus first um, pricked my heart. God confirmed my salvation so many times along the way because he knew that this Martha would need him. And I think he knew Martha right here would need him at a very young age. And that was my very first yes to God. I am a firstborn, type A, take care of it all, strong-willed woman. You, any more of you out there? Yeah. In some ways, it actually works for me. I've had great success as a student. I worked hard. I took on leadership um, roles. People saw me taking initiatives, so they were eager to ask me to be in charge of things. Along with my strengths, though, came a lot of anxiety and worry. I was often trying to please people, and I wanted to make everything work all the time. I'm a problem solver. I'm a fixer. I'm a refiner. So I'm always looking at how to make things better. I have always been a church girl. I love church. I quickly found my home with God's people, and the people of my church were my family. I, we spent a lot of time at church. I grew up in the era where you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, choir practice, Bible study, maybe Thursday visitation, you know, all the things. So, um, and I loved all of it. I was really involved, and anything you asked me to do, I did it. Choir, nursery, teaching Sunday school, even as a teenager, I was serving and leading, um, and I loved it. When I was 18, I clearly felt the Lord speak to my heart. He asked me to work for him. I honestly didn't know what that looked like because I'm a girl, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know what it could be. But I walked down the aisle in obedience, and I said yes. I told my pastor, who had been my pastor all growing up, And he said, what What did he ask you to do? And I said, he asked me to work for him. (laughs) And I said, yes. So not knowing what a full-time ministry opportunity looked like for a young woman, I walked the aisle, told him what he said, and I have never looked back. That was the second big yes that I gave to the Lord. Just a blank check. I don't even know what this looks like, but I'm going to say yes in advance. I probably grew most spiritually during my college years. Um, I went to a secular school. I went to Florida State University, which doesn't mean much to you guys, but go Knowles! Um, sometimes, you know, college football is um, a thing that causes unity or disunity. But um, I got involved with a parachurch organization, um, Campus Crusade for Christ. And for the first time, I was truly discipled. Like I knew I had a lot of head knowledge, I had the Bible stories, I had all the things, but I really, truly was discipled in a small group. Um, someone helped explain salvation i didn't know um, I had heard the word sanctification i had i didn't understand. I really learned a lot about the Holy Spirit i don 't know why sometimes we just avoid the Holy Spirit altogether, um, and so I grew a lot a lot a lot. I was very excited about my faith. I would call my mom and tell her all the things we were doing with the ministry <laughs> i was on staff at a church and my mom would be like are you doing your homework oh yes 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 school's fine school's fine so but the bottom line was i just said yes to everything like do you want to do a bible study yes do you want to come to church yes do you want to clean the floors yes do you want to cook the food yes all sorts of good things, not bad things. I did a lot of good things, but I did a lot of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Good things, but a lot of things. I began to saying yes to everything, maybe not necessarily yes to God. They were all godly things, but that's not the same thing. It didn't take long for me to physically, mentally, and even spiritually get exhausted. So here's where we get to the nitty-gritty of Martha. And through illness and fatigue, God slowed me down, and he humbled me to the point where I actually had to stop. Within my 22nd year, I was diagnosed with both Graves' disease and fibromyalgia. These are both autoimmune diseases. They like to travel in packs. And I really struggled to understand why my body was fighting against itself. During this season, I finally began to wrestle I realized that the damage of the stress of my busyness and my self-dependence was doing what it was doing to me physically. I realized that being God-dependent was where I needed to stay spiritually. It's really hard, especially when you're in ministry and your life is full of good things, even God things. I believe this is where we find Martha in Luke 10, verses 42 and 48. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, first of all, what a woman, okay? She opened up her house to Jesus She was obviously friends, and she was obviously a follower of the way, which is what they called it at the time. She was hospitable. She was obviously generous. I mean, she had agreed to cook for all these men, serve all these men, the disciples. It wasn't just the um, 12. There were probably other people following along in a little entourage. She saw what needed to be done, and she took initiative. And, I mean, I say go, girl, right? Go, Martha. You're awesome. Now, most people I've heard talk about this story— they kind of paint Mary um, out to be a saint. You know, she's like, she's focused and she's gentle and she's loving Jesus. And I will not take away that from her. I admire her attention that she gave to Jesus. But am I the only one thinking, why isn't she helping Martha? I mean, hello. <laughs> Couldn't they do all the work ahead of time and then both get to sit at the feet of Jesus? I don't know. I don't know how this story ended, but I digress. But come on, Mary. Come on. When we're working in our own strength and not doing what the Lord has asked us to do, it's easy to get worn out and exhausted. Martha felt frustrated so much so that she wanted Jesus to see her hard work. And honestly, she kind of wanted him to see Mary not working and get in trouble, which was definitely petty. A sure sign that our hearts are in the wrong place as we serve the Lord is when we get to comparing, especially to the point of judging our sisters. Well, at least I'm not doing what they're doing. It seems really petty in this story, but I know probably all of us have done that before. Jesus is so gentle here, and he points out to Martha that she is worried and upset about many things. It wasn't really just the fact that Mary wasn't helping She was upset before this even began. The passage says earlier that she was distracted by the preparations. He tells her that really only one thing matters, and Mary nailed it. It was focusing on Christ. I wish that Luke would have told us what happened after Jesus gave this um, helpful criticism (laughs) to Martha. I don't know if... Martha was like, forget it. Who needs food? And sat down with Mary and just listened to the stories. Maybe. Maybe Martha tapped her on the, Mary on the shoulder and said, hey, if you'll help me real quick, we'll get this done quicker. I have no idea. I really wish you would have told us. But I do see a lesson here. Martha had lost her joy while serving the Lord. Maybe she's like me, and her serving started to come from a place of maybe trying to earn God's love maybe trying to earn his favor. Maybe she wanted others to see her good work. Maybe she was trying to please people. Maybe she was just distracted and busy doing what was expected of her, so much so that she was literally missing out on enjoying the presence of God. God was in her home, and she was missing it. It's easy to do, it's easy to do though, isn't it? Okay, fast forward back to my life where I found myself in a similar state. This time, in a much more emotional way. Even before COVID, (laughs) my life was met with several changes. How many of us know that any change, whether good, positive or negative, good or bad, causes stress? Yes, yes, yes. Well, here are just a few highlights of my 2020. Abby, my oldest, went away to college. That's a big change. Family dynamics changed. She moved nine hours away. The tears, the grief, the things, although I was super proud of her, so that's a whole nother side. Hannah, my youngest, started her senior year. How many know that you need a lot of grace s- and <laughs> senior year? It's a big deal. In January, on a way to a youth trip, we got into a really bad accident and totaled two of our cars with 25 teenagers in our care. Stressful. I was driving one car. A chaperone was driving another one of our cars. So we had two total cars in our car. No one got hurt. but It was super stressful. Then the COVID quarantine came. My husband and I both worked in education. So he was all of a sudden an online teacher. And I was working um, at a state college, working in a GD program as a guidance counselor. And it's just not the same on the phone. Abby came home for um, COVID quarantine because her college shut down and within the first few weeks announced that she was pregnant by a boy we hadn't met yet. This caused a lot of anxiety and it even caused a broken relationship with my mom and myself. So stress upon stress upon stress. I mentioned I started that new job, the GED program. I had the craziest boss ever, stress. My daughter and her um, boyfriend then at the time actually got engaged, which was super exciting. I remember having the conversation, like, you do not have to marry her. I don't even know you. Like, what's happening? (laughs) Like, this is not the 1800s, but... (laughs) He was such a sincere young man. And he said, I have loved your daughter since the day I met her. And so we walked through reconciliation. We walked through premarital counseling. It's cool to pre premar- It is kind of cool to counsel your children, but also very humbling. So we planned a wedding during COVID. You know, you couldn't go into stores, right? Like, I was, like, mailing away for bridesmaid dresses, and I was, like, they're never going to fit. So... Wedding during COVID, and then at the very end in December, we had our first grandchild named Micah. So, thank you, thank you. 2020, whew, like many Marthas, I just kept pushing through. How many of you guys pushed through? I pushed through the ups, I pushed through the downs, I stayed in problem-solving mode like I was like a force to be reckoned with. I, I didn't sleep very much, I had lists, I had the things, I told my husband I could run a small country, don't even worry about it, and then one day I couldn't push through anymore. I remember the day that I bravely and timidly told Ryan that I didn't think I could go back to work. I didn't know how we were going to make it financially. I knew that we would lose our insurance because I was the one that had held the insurance. And for the first time ever, I had to admit that I couldn't muscle my way through or pull myself up by my bootstraps and keep going. I fell apart in a million different ways. I cried every day. I'm not a crier. I hid at home. I relinquished all my ministries at church. I lived in my PJs and I was completely paralyzed with fear and fatigue. When I had finally created some space in my life, God led me to start doing some things, some really good things. I began to exercise, I learned how to meditate, I started taking naps, and I went to see a Christian counselor. Of course, I was even a Martha at counseling. I was like, hurry up. Give me the bottom line. How long is this going to (laughs) take? Oh, my goodness. Every week, she just kept telling me to rest. What? Do you know how hard that is for Martha? Initially, my assignment from the counselor was that I needed to spend 20 minutes each day in silence. 20 minutes, you guys. That sounds like a blink, but 20 minutes, no music, no reading, no thinking, hello? So that was not easy for me. It took quite a while for me to like honestly sit there and be still and be quiet. And God took me back to one of my favorite verses. Psalm 46 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Did you know that be still, there's a lot more to it than just not moving? It does mean be still physically still, but it means a lot more. Actually, the Greek word for the Greek translation for that phrase, be still, is cease striving. That brings a whole nother part to this. So I felt the Lord literally telling me, I'm God. I'm in control. Cease striving. Stop trying to earn my love. Stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to manipulate. Stop trying to control everything. Stop being busy with things that I never asked you to do in the first place. He also began to graciously show me that somewhere along the way, I had shifted to finding my identity and my ability to manage everything. My home as a mother and a wife, my church as a leader, and even at work as a mentor and an environment changer. I'd fallen back into the pattern of being busy and working And doing too many good things with no boundaries, constantly trying to prove myself to others. Slowing down and even completely stopping was really uncomfortable for me. Quiet forces you to think and to deal and to wait. And none of these things were my strong suits. So I want to encourage us all, Martha's and Mary's, to rest today. If you only remember one thing, remember that we can rest in him. After all, God did it. Genesis 2.2 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Do you guys think God needed to rest? No, he's perfect. He modeled that for us. Jesus modeled it too. In Luke 5 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He invites us to rest too. In Matthew 11 28, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All right, here are some practical things that I started to do. And every time I started to Martha, like it's a verb, I had to return my focus back to him and rest. So I'm a teacher at heart. So, of course, I had to build a little acronym here for you guys, all right? So my first step, and I'm going to spell rest for you guys, is R. Remember he is God. The first thing I really had to do was to humble myself. I had to ask the Lord to forgive me for my pride. It is really prideful when I chose to worry and try to do everything on my own, thinking that I'm in charge. I was kind of acting as if I might be God, or I might know better than him. When I am not acknowledging that I need him, and that he is in control, I am sinning. And so I began to back up to the basics. I started to read his word in a different way. I love to write my Favorite Bible verses, the ones that stick out during my reading on index cards. I don't know if you guys ever like to do that. And tape them all around, you know. Tape them on my speedometer on the car. Which is kind of bad because then I don't know if I'm speeding. But (laughs) the bathroom window, any place that I go on a regular basis. The refrigerator, um, just to keep God's word in front of me. I love to listen to worship music. Um, I loved taking my fur baby for a walk. My fur baby's in the camper if you ever want to meet him, but he's a Yorkie, and we call him Velcro Dog because anytime you sit down, he's right there, like stuck to your leg. But he was my little, constant little companion. So we walked every day, and my favorite worship music, walking music, and you can write this down, Hillsong United, Young and Free. I mean, they have the boom, boom, boom kind of music, and, like, you can really walk to it. So that's what I started to journal again. Um, there's nothing super spiritual and crazy about journaling. It's just emptying your mind of your thoughts. It's, sometimes my thoughts turn into prayers. Sometimes it's bullet-pointed, you know, just emptying my mind and um, giving those things to the Lord. I had to really focus on being thankful. Being thankful can really change the track in your mind. How many of you know if you don't tend your mind... It just naturally defaults to the negative or the critical or the discontent. So I had to constantly bring back, what am I thankful for? How many of you know there's always, 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 always something to be thankful for? Even if it's you're alive and you're breathing, and especially Jesus. I mean, if, if he never does another great thing for us, we can always praise him for Jesus. So remembering who God is, a good and perfect father who we can trust to control all the things and all the details in our life is the R. Now, E is a little harder. I had to examine my priorities. When I remembered who God was, I saw that my priorities had gotten all out of whack. Specifically, I had to see that ministry for God and my relationship with God are not the same thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? In fact, our priorities as Christian women really need to be God first and our relationship with him, our husbands next, if you're married, then our children, and then finally all the other things in life. And that includes ministry. That includes church work. That includes work work. That includes friendships. All the other things are at the bottom. Not that they're not important, but they just need to be in their proper place. The S, set healthy boundaries. Now, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to meddle here, but this is a hard one. Once I got my priorities in the right order, I realized I had some boundary issues. There were times when others and the good work in ministry I did took priority over my husband. Sometimes I spent more time preparing for my Sunday school lesson than I spent in my personal quiet time. I was even tempted to take responsibility for my adult daughter's choices, and I was consumed with worry about her specifically instead of giving those things to the Lord. I wasn't even giving my body the exercise and the healthy fuel that it needed to perform well. I was really out of balance in so many ways. My calendar was too full. There were too many commitments, and I just needed to start letting go. Just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should do something. All right, now, Pastor Chad's not in here, right? This is just us ladies talking. Okay. Some of you need to retire from some things you're doing. And I I will admit to this if you tell him I told you this. But if God has asked you and called you to do the ministry you're doing, please do it. But really evaluate, are there some busy things you're doing that God never intended for you to do? You might have to resign from some things. Really ask the Lord what he wants you to do. Sometimes we spread ourselves so thin that we really aren't doing any of the things well. And sometimes God is just, he loves you so much. But I feel like he's shaking his head sometimes at me. <laughs> Martha, Martha. <laughs> you are worried about so many things. So ask, really ask yourself, are the things I'm doing for the Lord things that he's asked me to do? And you may have to reprioritize. You may have to let some things go. You may have to, for the sake of your family or the sake of your husband or the sake of your sanity, let go of some of those extra things that really may be taking away from your relationship with the Lord. So you can tell him that I said that, but make sure you explain the whole thing, okay? So he'll understand, because I'm like, all you ladies, don't rush up to him and say, we quit our jobs, we're done, (laughs) This is one thing that really struck me one time. An older um, lady in the faith said, when you say yes to something just because you're being helpful and you know you can do it, and it's something that God didn't ask you to do, did you know that you're taking someone else's place? That God might have intended that for someone else, and you're stealing their opportunity to have that passion and purpose in their life. Oh. <gasps> I never thought of it that way. All I could think of was, like, it will not get done if I don't do it. So prideful of me to think that I am, like, the answer to everyone's problems. But it hit me so hard, and it really, really helped me to just stand back and think, okay, God, is this the opportunity you have for me? I want to do what you want me to do. And so let me challenge you with that if you have that fear of no one's going to do it, no one's going to step up, take yourself out of the equation because God is so, so big, and he has so many people that he can call on to do his work. The T stands for trust him. And I put in my book here, trust him completely. This is where I finally had to let go. There were many tearless, uh, tearless, sleepless Tearful nights where my chest physically felt weighed down. I remember I began to push my fears and cares to him over and over singing songs. I would literally be in my bed doing the motion of like pushing the weight off my chest. I don't know if you felt, ever felt so burdened that when you lay down, you can hardly breathe. I remember God met me so, so sweetly always with a song, and I would push the burdens back up to him where they belonged. Maybe the best part of this story is that right in the midst of this messy, messy year was where God chose to call us to life action. I joked that I didn't know if it was the worst or the best timing. When I learned to rest, I also learned that I could hear him again. And when I remembered who he was, I remembered that I don't need to do it all. I just need to let him do it through me. And this is exactly where he needed me to be when I said my last big yes to God. I remember when we got off the phone in our initial interview stage, it was a long process. Um, A long process of self-reflection and trying to figure out if we fit and figuring out what the ministry did. We've never even heard of Life Action before we said yes. Like we knew about it, we'd never seen it, we said yes, and then we went to check it out. I don't know. We're weird. But when we got off with the initial um, interview with the president and his wife, I was just, I mean, I literally had to get out of my pajamas to be on the Zoom call so I wouldn't look like a crazy person and brush my hair and the whole thing, you know. So my, my Ryan, my husband was so timid, you know, he was so caring and didn't want to push me. And, you know, I was just, he, I was just fragile, you know, so He's like, are you coming to that meeting? And I was like, yeah, yeah. That was code for, are you going to get your pajamas off today? And so I brushed my hair. I had a decent shirt on. I put some lip gloss on. I don't know. It was the whole thing. And I remember um, as they spoke, the Holy Spirit was just like, this is it. This is what I have for you. And I remember I argued a little bit, like, uh, this is not the right time. I'm falling apart, this whole thing, yada, 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 yada. By the end of the conversation, I was <laughs> so excited. I remember getting off the phone, and I we were, like, looking at each other. And I was like, well, what did you think? And Ryan was really, like, reserved. And I think he thought I might break or something. And he was like, well. And I was like, <gasps> if you're not excited about this, then we are not on the same page. And he was like, okay. And so it was just, it was an amazing time of freedom. I felt like I was the least put together I'd ever been in my whole life. I felt like I was the least capable, honestly. But in that reassurance of the Holy Spirit, he's like, you are in the perfect spot for me to do something amazing through you. So we kept taking those steps of obedience. We kept saying yes. I'm convinced that as the women of God, we don't really need to be a Martha or a Mary. Actually, it'd probably be pretty perfect if we were a mix of the two. We need to find that balance. We need to find those times of um, serving. When we rest, we're better equipped to serve with the joy of the Lord. When we're in the place God's shown us to be and called us to be, we will work with joy and passion that gives us the purpose. It's why we were created. When we stay focused, Mary and Martha both were kind of focused, resting in him while we serve, then we will learn from him. I want to close with a quote from a book that I read. Um, it's called The Relentless Elimination of Hurry. If you really want to be challenged to slow down and, and rest, I recommend this book. The quote is this. We don't have that quote? Yeah, we do. All right. Biblical rest is not only something we do for our body, our soul, and our spirit, but it is a form of worship and a way to experience more of Jesus' love for us. Deep rest is when we completely trust the sovereignty of God and lean into his Holy Spirit, even in the midst of the craziest situations. Thank you guys for letting me share today. I want to take a minute for you guys to share at your table again. And I want we're going to give you more time than we did before. It's really important that we process these things together. At your table, I want you to answer these questions. Are you resting? Resting like we talked about today, that deep rest. And what is one practical way that you need or want to return your focus to Christ this week?